the Commonwealth Club of California congratulates the class of 2021. We know how much you want to stay connected with the issues and influencers that matter most. That's why we're offering all high school and college graduates in the class of 2021 a free one-year membership in the club. From politics to social justice, climate to pop culture, membership in the Commonwealth Club opens up new worlds of learning and the chance to interact in person and online with today's headline makers and people like yourselves who care about what's going on in the world. Claim your free membership at commonwealthclub.org slash grads. And join us. We look forward to welcoming you to the club. Thank you for joining us for another podcast from the Commonwealth Club. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to today's in-person and live-streamed program of the Commonwealth Club of California. Coming to you from our COVID-safe headquarters in San Francisco, I'm Gloria Duffy, president and CEO of the club, and our moderator for today. I'm now so pleased to introduce our guest, Svetlana Tsikhanovskaya <laughs> is the leader of the democratic movement in Belarus, a country of about 10 million people located between Poland, Latvia, Lithuania, and Russia. Independent observers believe she beat the autocratic human rights violating president, Alexander Lukashenko, in the presidential election in August of 2020. She stepped into the race after her husband, Sergei, who had given voice to dissatisfactions of the Belarusian people as a grassroots journalist posting on YouTube and then had run for president, was arrested. Mr. Lukashenko has publicly dismissed her, an English teacher and interpreter, as a housewife, claiming that a woman can't become president. When she disputed the election returns, along with many others, she and her children were threatened, and she fled the country. In the past year, more than 35,000 people have been detained for political or journalistic activities in Belarus, according to the United Nations. Tens of thousands of Belarusians have fled abroad. After her forced exile, Ms. Sikonovskaya and her cause inspired unprecedented peaceful protests around Belarus, some of which numbered uh, tens of thousands of people. She has visited more than 20 countries, gathering support for a democratic Belarus, and continues to advocate for the release of 500-plus political prisoners in Belarus and peaceful changes through a free and fair election. At the invitation of the Lithuanian government, she has established an official Belarusian Democratic Representation Office in the Lithuanian capital of Vilnius. Ms. Sikonuskaya has become a symbol of peaceful struggle for democracy and female leadership. Uh, in 2020, the Lithuanian president and the Norwegian uh, members of parliament no nominated her for the Nobel Peace Prize. She's included in Bloomberg's Top 50 Most Influential People, the Financial Times' Top 12 Most Influential Women, and Politico's Top 28 Most Influential Europeans. In meetings with Chancellor Merkel, President Macron, and yesterday with President Biden, she has emphasized the need for a braver response to the actions of the Belarusian dictatorship. Unable to encourage protests inside Belarus and with Moscow supporting Mr. Lukashenko, Ms. Tihanovskaya is using the primary tool available to her in exile, generating Western support. Uh, 
She's sought more comprehensive foreign sanctions on Belarus's elites and businesses to show them that it's becoming more costly for them to support Lukashenko. Today, we'll have a rare conversation with this outspoken advocate for democratic reforms and hear her thoughts on some parallels between her struggles and challenges currently facing Americans regarding our democracy. Our guest will first make some brief comments. Please give a warm California welcome to Ms. Svetlana Tihanovskaya. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you for such a very deep speech about the situation in Belarus. Uh, you know, dear colleagues, dear friends, I'm really happy to be here to join you at the uh, Commonwealth Club of California because uh, I believe that public debate is uh, the core of every democracy. I just came from Washington, D.C. and New York, and I'm grateful to the USA leadership that... Uh, uh, they received me at such a high level. Yesterday, I had an honor to meet with the President Biden. This was a very strong sign of solidarity with the people of Belarus who are continuing their fight for freedom and democracy. But this was also a clear message to Lukashenko, his allies, and uh, the world that the United States will not tolerate, tolerate public repressions and state-sponsored violence. You have already, thank you, uh, told the story of our fighting that uh, at the moment since uh, 9th of August, more than 35,000 people have been detained. Hundreds, uh, thousands are in jail. At the moment, it's 597 political uh, prisoners, and this number is growing every day. At least 10 died uh, in relation to protests. Uh, but... You know, Belarusian, Belarusian regime uh, has declared total war against uh, Belarusian civil society and media. 56 uh, civil society and human rights organizations uh, will have to close down. Uh, and it, was, it is described as a black week for the Belarusian NGO sector. And being hosted today by the Commonwealth Club, uh, a non-profit organization, we know how indispensable and vitally important civil society is, and how inconvenient civil society can be in a country where only one opinion counts. You know, every day Belarusians uh, report on social media how the state is searching uh, private homes, smashes doors, and arrests innocent people. And uh, the majority of Belarusian uh, journalists are now either imprisoned or had to flee the country. But despite of repressions, people are not giving up. In the face uh, of uh, growing violence, we are looking for new uh, ways of resistance. We seek to uh, strengthen our infrastructures, uh, provide humanitarian and financial support to people in need, and uh, keep people safe and prepare Belarus for changes. We also work on the reforms and the vision of a new Belarus. We understand that only people of Belarus can bring uh, the country to democratic changes, but we hope for American active and non-symbolic participation. President Biden said that the world is struggling between uh, autocracy and democracy. So the front line uh, in this fight is Belarus. 
And as a champion in democracy, I'm sure that the USA can help us pave the way for negotiations and independently observed presidential elections. And I have been telling this uh, during my entire uh, trip through the USA, and I will repeat it today. Belarus will become a success story, a precedent of nonviolent um, uh, nonviolent transition uh, to democratic changes and an example for others. We can now close our eyes and act as if nothing is going on, or we can use our voices and uh, power to seek justice, to show solidarity, to be advocates of freedom and change. And the U.S. Uh, United States role has never been as important as today. So thank you for your attention. I'm open for further discussion. Thank you. Thank you very much. So I will ask a few questions. Our audience will have the opportunity to ask questions. And then I will be receiving uh, questions from the chat online as well. First, tell us a little bit about your own background, uh, where you grew up, about your family, your childhood, uh, just to get to know you a little better. Uh, I grew up uh, in a very small city in uh, Belarus. I have ordinary family, uh, but the family who I, I, I was growing in, in love and peace, have wonderful uh, family relationship. And, uh, you know, I uh, graduated from the university as an English teacher, but uh, I uh, didn't work much because uh, my older son was born and... Uh, you know, uh, it was uh, a boy with uh, special needs, and for ten next ten years, I had uh, I put a lot of efforts to rehabilitate him. So that's why, you know, I was housewife, as propaganda often <laughs> calls me. Yeah, and uh, you know, I got married. We had a wonderful family life with her husband, with our children, uh, and. Um, you know, that's it, nothing special about me. You know, I just uh, one uh, of nine million uh, people in Belarus who never was involved in politics because the same as uh, uh, other Belarusians, we understand that we are living under dictatorship, but we were sure that nobody can change anything. And uh, after each fraudulent, fraudulent election in Belarus, there were people who uh, were trying to resist. But uh, Lukashenko and uh, his cronies like, uh, managed to suppress all those uprisings rather fast and put people in prison. Every, after every election, we had political prisoners. But and the uh, European countries impose sanctions, uh, and the USA impose sanctions, and then in the process of trading with political prisoners, sanctions were lifted, and it, you know, repeated from from every five year. Yeah, so uh, I wasn't involved in politics uh, until, um, you know, until the moment when I brought my documents to Central Election Commission. Mm-hmm. So. What went wrong in Belarus? I spent some time in Belarus Mm -hmm. in the 90s. And like the other post-Soviet countries, independence was declared. There was a commitment to democracy. Where did Belarus go off the trail? What led to someone like Lukashenko coming to office and staying in office for so long? You know, so as Belarusian people lived... Uh, in the Soviet Union, and people didn't know what democracy is in reality. 
uh, you know, Soviet Union constitution was uh, on paper one of the most democratic, but, uh, you know, uh, in reality it wasn't. And when uh, after collapse of uh, uh, Soviet Union, uh, we had this three years of, you know, relevant democracy, but we didn't know how to live with it. We, we never experienced this. And uh, when Lukashenko won, Lukashenko was, uh, uh, you know, populist with those, uh, with messages that we will live in wonderful country. If you choose me, you know, this kalhozes, kalhozes, you know, uh, I'm going to build a wonderful Belarus. And people believed him because he's a very good speaker. And uh, I think it were the only uh, elections where people really uh, voted for him. And then he started to build his um, his dictatorship in our country year after year. And uh, when our parliament understood that a strong person uh, governs the country, you know, he started to show his, his real face. Uh, people started to disappear and, uh, you know, people were imprisoned. But it was rather uh, difficult to stop everything. He built around himself, you know, this military system that protected him, and it was strengthening from year to year. And, uh, you know, then uh, it was easy to frighten people. And people didn't really resist a lot, I mean massively, because we got used to our parents got used to live in Soviet Union where there was no uh, democracy and responsibility and, you know, just we lived everybody in our own families, not thinking about constitutions or human rights or whatever, just trying to survive. But, uh, you know, changes uh, are happening and new generation grew up uh, that... Uh, have opportunity to travel to see how uh, other countries live. You know, the majority of uh, our, of the generation of my parents have never uh, left borders of Belarus. They didn't have opportunity to see uh, that there are different countries, you know, you know, people can live differently. So Ukraine, maybe they visited Ukraine. And, you know, th this happened Perhaps there was a lost opportunity during those few years in the 90s. There was a little bit of outreach from Western Europe and the U.S. and so on, democratic organizations, civil society organizations trying to help establish the rule of law and so on. But it was weak and it did not have much effect and it didn't go on for very long. So. Yeah, and, you know, like Lukashenko, like, allowed some organizations to exist. It it uh, uh, could show to uh, Western democratic countries that, look, I'm building uh, something similar to uh, democracy, you know. But um, this, uh, all the organizations, all, all of them were under regime's control. They were not independent, you know, so... So your path and your husband's path, I understand your husband started to organize a farm and he encountered uh, difficulties and his activism sort of built, built from that. Yeah, you know, uh, my husband always uh, was in business and we also, as I said, we lived in our own family. Uh, but uh, once my husband met 
so, such a lawlessness from uh, the side of uh, uh, government that he decided to, you know, like, in, to talk about this. Uh, and he started to go from t from town to town, city to city, asking people how li how they live, what the troubles, how uh, they ruin their businesses, uh, you know. And he was so brave in his saying about regime, about uh, taxes, uh, you know. And people saw a person who is rather brave and says so openly, and they more and more people started to come to his uh, live streams on his YouTube channel and discuss openly the situation in Belarus. And, uh, you know, I wasn't involved uh, much in his um, activity because, you know, I was upbringing children, but I understood uh, that, uh, you know, it's not secure uh, to have this YouTube blog because we understand uh, who is uh, in the power in Belarus. And, of course, he, st he started to be prosecuted and he was jailed uh, a couple of times. No, but he couldn't stop because, uh, you know, he just wanted Belarusians to wake up. And so he became a presidential candidate. Uh, no, he, he didn't. He declared that he wanted to become. And immediately in this day, he was jailed. And from the jail, he couldn't uh, give his documents for um, candidacy. And uh, I didn't know what to do. And just once I decided, I will do this for him, you know. I, I, I wanted at that moment, I wanted to show how what he's doing important for me just to support him. And I was sure that um, I will not be, uh, my documents will not be accepted. I just wanted to come to this election commission and to say, um, uh, chairman of, of this election commission, everything I'm thinking about here and his system and about my husband. But uh, they wanted to make love of me and accepted my documents. Yeah. And so then your husband is still in jail. Yeah. And he's undergoing a, a trial at this point. Yeah. He's, uh, he's under so-called trial. And the trial, not even in the court, it's in, in, in the prison. And uh, it's done because, uh, you know, regime is afraid of uh, strong people who are behind the bars. And, for example, um, Masha Kalisnikova, one of uh, uh, my comrades, and uh, some other people also have closed trial for no journalist could, um, uh, could visit this trial and show those you know, faces of wonderful people of Belarus who are keeping strong, who uh, you know, tells, inspire those who are fighting uh, on their freedom. My husband, I suppose, uh, can face 15, 20 years, the same as uh, Masha and uh, Viktor Babarika was already like jailed for 14 years. But it's only numbers. It's, uh, in, it's our responsibility to, to make everything possible for this uh, will stay on the numbers, not the real years uh, of, uh, you know, behind the bars. Mm -hmm. What your husband found and what you experience in Belarus, obviously there's repression. What about the economy, health, health care? What's the range of issues that you see with the Lukashenko government and with the policies in Belarus? Lukashenko's strategy always was stability. You know, he always said, you are getting your salaries, even if they are low, you are getting them every month. It's okay, you have um, uh, free medicine, 
healthcare, you have free education, so you have to be happy. But our economy uh, was it's decreasing, decreasing rather slowly. We, are, uh, you know, we are not experts in economy, but uh, experts say that we live in debt. So we, uh, you know, our enterprises are in awful conditions. You know, uh, people are not taken care of, and uh, yeah, we have uh, free medicine, if uh, I can say so. But our poor uh, doctors get such a low salaries. You know, they are not respected. And when COVID came to Belarus, uh, it was such a irrespectful relationship to ill people and to doctors. Um, and uh, at that moment, maybe it was one of the one of the moments when Belarusians understand that it's enough. When COVID came and people seeing that our government doesn't help to uh, our doctors, to ill people, they started to collect money uh, to fundraise to buy uh, our doctors' masks, to buy this equipment for breathing. You know, it was shock. You know, uh, our government failed, you know, COVID at all. And moreover, this... Um, disgusting relation relation to ill people when Lukashenko on the screens of TV told, look, do you see COVID? I don't see it. It doesn't exist. If you are ill, it's your guilty. You know, drink vodka, ride, drive tractor, and you will be cured. You know, it was such a... Uh, you know, people understand at that moment that, look, it's enough. And it was like, like a, a chain of events that influenced, you know, the mood of people. Though it, these moods were growing, that they were always inside people. But at that moment, you know, Sergei, Viktor Babarika appeared, you know, strong, strong person, and COVID, uh, you know, it, it like uh, made people to wake up. What do you think is the strength of your movement in Belarus? In unity, first of all, and in understanding that you can't stop. You can't give up because, first of all, if you do, your country will be second North Korea. You will be slave, absolute slave of, of this regime. And you are, everyone is responsible for those who are behind that bars, who sacrificed with their lives, with their freedom, with their health to give the others opportunity to continue. We just don't have right to stop. And this is our strength, our strength in solidarity. People who, in solidarity, first of all, in Belarus, because people who uh, live in Belarus, in despite of terror, they understand that everyone can be kidnapped at any moment. If you write letter to political prisoner, you like can be imprisoned as well. If you help to... Uh, relative of political prison, I, I don't know, buy present to children and, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, organize fundraising um, for paying, um, for paying, you know, for the lawyer, you also can be in prison, but people continue to uh, to, to help despite of, of this fear. And uh, so unity, solidarity and understanding that we have no right to stop. Mm-hmm. So you are now... Um outside the country. Mm-hmm. Um, you've been offered a sanctuary or a place, uh, a base in some different countries. Um, you're working from Lithuania, mm-hmm. uh, Vilnius. And what does that look like? You have a coordinating committee, um, you have an office, you know, and what's the path from here? 
uh, in Vilnius we have an office uh, where my team works. We have coordination council that uh, works in Warsaw and uh, partially in Belarus because coordination council is a group of uh, outstanding people in Belarus of experts that help us to uh, you know to um, you know to work in Belarus to understand the mood uh, of people in Belarus to create ideas you know we uh, coordinate our actions and yeah you have office and you every day you uh, for example uh, i every day have uh, conversations with people who are on the ground because we are not like working in exile we like in Belarus Thank bless God, internet. We have opportunity to communicate with people in Belarus. Every day, I'm talking to workers, to volunteers, and activists, with students and teachers, and medics and sportsmen. Just we, uh, first of all, we inspire each other. We coordinate our actions. It's not me who are telling them what to do. It's they who. Uh, tell what they can do and how I can be helpful on the international arena, for example. We have uh, a group of uh, ex-law enforcement uh, officers that are working with uh, law enforcement who are still in the regime. They are receiving information from inside. We have um, uh, uh, people who are communicating with uh, People from nomenclatura who are still in the regime also, uh, talk, uh, you know, they give us uh, inner information. Because, you know, in August, September, uh, when it was, you know, these uh, demonstrations, we asked people, uh, you know, get out of this system. Join us you, 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 if you stand in for the same values as we are, so you don't have to walk there. But after uh, all those repressions, we understand that it's much better for our movement if people will stay in the system because we will need all our people in in future, you know, and all those all those people who are in ministries, you no, know, almost all of them will continue their work. So stay at your places, but be with us, be useful for us, give information, uh, you know, talk to, talk to your, to people around you. Mm-hmm. And that's it. And it works. Mm-hmm. I'd like to remind our audience here in San Francisco, there is a mic at the back of the room. So you're welcome to ask questions or make comments. Just head over to the mic if you'd like to. So, um, what are next steps? You're, you're building the movement. You're staying in touch with people. Um, is there a contest, ability to contest the last election? Will there be another election? What is, what's the strategy to increase your impact? So our strategy is, uh, first of all, to keep uh, resistance not, not violent. It's very important. We don't want any violence from our side. But we have, uh, there can be uh, many scenarios how... Um, how events will develop, but we have like major points. Uh, we are looking for dialogue. We are civilized people, and I uh, believe that uh, everything can be solved through negotiations. It's difficult now because Lukashenko, of course, he doesn't want to uh, to leave power. You know, he's uh, uh, and. Uh, so we want uh, have dialogue with uh, peoples from the regime. Uh, then we have to release all political prisoners, 
On these negotiations, uh, we have to discuss uh, transition period and new elections. Uh, the only way out of a crisis in Belarus is uh, new elections, fair, free, under observation of the OSCE. And our task now is, first of all, to... Um, you know, to create multiple points of pressure on the regime, to make them change their behavior, to understand that there is no other way out. Just start dialogue with, with, uh, uh, with your people. And uh, on the other side, we are creating conditions for, for dialogue, you know, for transition period. Uh, OC is the platform for, can be the platform for negotiations. We are uh, preparing team for these negotiations. We are working on uh, new elections. Just we uh, found that it's, it's, uh, it's possible to hold new elections from 40 to 60 days, very short period, you know, not to uh, prolong this, um, uh, this transition, uh, transition time. We are working already on uh, uh, economic reforms, on uh, healthcare reforms, very gradually, because uh, we are sure that it's people uh, who have to decide uh, what will be, you know, reforms. Because uh, now uh, our strategy is new elections and then... You know, it will be our task to decide what to do. So, they, as I said, there can be a lot of scenarios. You know, it can be in a coup d'etat because, uh, because of, uh, you know, Lukashenko is becoming toxic uh, to Western countries and he is uh, non-convenient for other countries. You know, it, it can, the situation splitting elites. Uh, it uh, gives non-secure uh, to those who are beside Lukashenko now. And the processes are going on not only in, in civil society who, are, who create um, uh, structures on the ground, but also in, in regime. Mm -hmm. And you know, we have to be prepared. Mm -hmm. And Russia is backing up Lukashenko, I assume. It looks like so, but I don't think... Um, Kremlin has a clear strategy about Belarus. Uh, Belarusian situation and Lukashenko's regime is becoming uh, too expensive, too costly politically and economically for Kremlin. But, you know, the situation is not com comfortable for them. You know, Lukashenko can't fulfill um, his... Um, uh, you know his his task to be uh, to be a buffer zone between uh, between Russia and Western countries, but I want to underline that it's uh, not up to Russia to decide uh, uh, the fate of Belarus. We are separate countries. We are sovereign and independent Belarus, and it's only up to Belarusian people. Uh, you know to uh, to make these changes. In, in so despite of uh, you know, Kremlin supporting Lukashenko or not, is their foreign policy. It's okay. People are continuing to fight, and we are looking for allies in the world. Lukashenko lost almost all the diplomatic connections uh, in the world, and now we have to restore them. And uh, I always say, you know, uh, coming back to Russia, if Russia wants to, um, you know, to play a constructive role in getting out of this crisis, they just not, don't have to interfere into internal policy. But when we ask for help from democratic countries, we say that you know, standing for human rights, for democratic values, is not interference. It's common values for the whole world. 
and you are assisting repressed, you are assisting those who, because of uh, uh, violence, had to flee the country. So it's like moral obligation. Question here. My name is Kerry Curtis. I'm a retired uh, business professor. And I'm curious about the role of the Internet in Belarus right now. Apparently, the Lukashenko regime has clamped down on the traditional newspapers and radio. Do the people of Belarus have access to the Internet, and is the government trying to uh, suppress that in any way? Yeah, you're absolutely right. The regime is destroying all the... you know, traditional uh, media in Belarus, and uh, most of them had to flee the country to continue their job. Uh, Belarusians have access to Internet. Uh, after election, Internet was deliberately shut down just for people not to uh, see the truth about, uh, you know, uprising about the quantity of people uh, on the streets. They can shut down, but you know usually they have access. But uh, the strategy of the regime is to close uh, all the platforms, to close all mass media, and moreover, they declare uh, mass media as extremist. And even those people who read this uh, news, you know, or who describe prescribed to telegram channels or youtube channels they also can be jailed because of this so it's like uh, i'm terrorist uh, in belarus and uh, you know the most outstanding um, uh, mass media platforms are extremistic in in belarus but it's for for belarusians now it's like a sign of honor if you are declared to be terrorist or extremist you are doing the right thing. You are fighting against uh, criminals in Belarus. It strikes me that how important um, digital technology was to your husband's uh, growth of his influence uh, through YouTube yeah. and a kind of a grassroots journalism. Uh, it seems like that had a revolutionary effect. Yeah, you know, uh, I think that now uh, this, uh, like, emergency uh, media like telegram channels and uh, youtube bloggers uh, play a significant role and now when most of the professional journalists had to flee the country or in jails ordinary people are becoming journalists they are making pictures on the factories or enterprises or in the cities they are uh, sending order recordings of some events or sending documents from the jobs you know a lot of a lot of different uh, uh, information they send into bigger channels, and this is how we provide it with uh, constant uh, constant um, information from inside. And of course, regime wants to stop this. They are, you know, uh, kidnap uh, people everywhere, you know, and just just to shut to shut uh, people up. But you know, when there are Millions of, of journalists in Belarus, it's, it's impossible to, uh, to imprison everyone. We have another question. Hi, um, I have two questions for you. So my first thing I wanted to say was I love your point that ordinary people are becoming journalists. And what do you think the most important thing is to do to move away from autocracy? Just in Belarus or at all? Um, in general. Like, is there a singular thing that you feel is the most important step to move away? 
I doubt that it can be only one step because it's uh, it's uh, uh, a lot of points uh, of of pressure, a lot of point of solidarity uh, to people and uh, assistance to people. There can't be like a silver bullet for solving uh, all the problems, and uh, you know, autocracy will bring us to democracy. It's it's uh, a lot of actions have to be done. Sorry, I I can't have one. Instead of like one point, like one of the most important points. One of the most important for division of power, split of elites, <laughs> accountability, uh, you know, hit on corruption. You know, there are plenty of them. So I am impressed by how you have an active, positive vision for what you want to happen. A lot of movements critique the current government and perhaps try for small alterations or changes. But you have a fully formed vision, I think, of what Belarus should be like mm -hmm. and, um, you know, a multi-part strategy to get there. But I think that's, that's unusual and it's powerful. Look, I, I don't have choice. I believe in changes. Because, you know, because everybody in Belarus have a relative or friend or friend or friend in jail. And it's unstoppable. You can't give up knowing that at this very moment your relative is being humiliated morally or physically in jail. You just can't stop. You can make these baby steps, but they are important because when we are million. You know, there are already millions of steps. And, uh, you know, I, I every day look into the eyes of my children asking, where is my daddy? So how can I stop? Uh, it, it's easy. Of course, it's easy to give up. You know, okay, I have done everything. I can't do anything else. Uh, I'll go to live my ordinary life. It's impossible. And that's why, uh, you know, you just, through difficulties, you are overstressed, you are tired, and you can't do, like, but you move step after step. You know that you have to do this, and you are doing this, because you have no choice. And I really, I really believe that Belarus can be success story, especially now when the whole world, almost whole world with us. And when, uh, you know, democratic countries uh, will take commitment, will understand that, yes, this fight in Belarus but it's not only about Belarusians, it's about the whole world. Look, uh, we can't give a uh, chance to autocratic regimes. We, every country has to stand up for values. I understand that, you know, they c could lose money and businesses because of sanctions, but values what matter in, in, in this situation. And uh, I believe that the most of the countries are with us and we are becoming stronger, and we have to take care about people in Belarus because I think it's enough victims. You know, uh, other countries can do more, you know, to, to support. They are in, like, uh, people in, in, in safe, but to uh, keep people in safe on the ground because you can't even imagine uh, the conditions of, of people in, in, in jail. And uh, while uh, talking to leaders of other countries, I want them to feel a little bit uh, of pain uh, what Belarusians experience every day. 
And this is what is important in this situation. So I truly believe that with the help of uh, uh, civilized uh, democratic countries, uh, we, we will succeed, no doubt. So um, let's talk about the U.S. You're receiving support from neighboring countries, uh, including the welcoming you to be there. Um, you have been you met with Secretary of State Blinken last week. You met with President Biden. I believe you ask, are asking the U.S. to step up sanctions. Uh, Tell us a little bit about what the U.S. could do. What are you asking the U.S. Could, to do? What would be the impact of sanctions? We always debate in this country, uh, will they be helpful or harmful? Will, will they harm the common people because goods will not be as available? So tell us about your strategy for dealing with the U.S. and what the U.S. can do. We are asking for strong and powerful sanctions towards regime. Because since August, we tried to appeal this regime diplomatically through different organizations, through mediators, from on expert level differently. You know, they are uh, deaf to, you know, to, 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 to normal appeals. And that's why we see that no other countries can influence on the behavior of the regime only with the help of sanctions. They don't understand other language. But... It shouldn't be half measures, you know. Half measures only prolongs uh, sufferings of people, only prolongs, uh, you know, Lukashenko staying in the power. Strong and joint sanctions uh, hit regime, uh, split elites, hit corruption, uh, deprives uh, deprive um, uh, regime of uh, incomes, and only uh, strong sanctions can can uh, you know. Help will help them to understand, you know, it's over. You don't have other way out, only start, uh, you know, to... Because all the sanctions are conditioned. If you... And Lukashenko can stop uh, sanctioning, you know. You release political prisoners and start dialogue with civil society. These are two conditions. Easy to fulfill. But this is Lukashenko now. You know, uh, yeah, yeah I, I understand your question about, uh, you know, influence on, on people. For 27 years, without any sanctions, people are suffering. You know, it's not because of sanctions. It's because of lawlessness, because of cruelty of the regime. And this is people who are asking. We want to end with uh, violence. We want to end with this regime. Please uh, ask for, uh, for stronger sanctions. Ask for, you know, braver uh, position. Because... Every day of delaying of sanctions, every day of uh, delaying attention to Belarus, it's a, a day in jail for our people. We, are, we think, you know, in different ways, because I measure my day with a day of my husband. I wake up, I can't drink my coffee, you know, even if I'm tired and overstressed, but I, like, uh, think, what? Just pretend you are in jail. What do you think there? You have to sleep on, on the floor. You, you don't have pillow. You, you sleep on just uh, without mattresses or what. You don't have fresh air. It's such a heat in Belarus. People are uh, suffocating. 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 Uh, they don't have any medical help. If you are COVID positive, no, med no medical help at all. You're humiliated every, every day. You know, they, uh, they say, you know, you're a politician prisoner, you are going to die. And you live in this, with this understanding that every day 
uh, is a, a day of, of imprisonment for your for your beloved person, and that's why we want to stop sufferings of people. We don't sanctions are don't make people suffer. It's regime that make people suffer. And that's why we uh, ask the USA to impose sectoral sanctions and close uh, the loopholes that uh, were left after uh, uh, European Union sanctions. Though uh, European Union sanctions were very fast and rather strong after this Ryan air hijacking. It was adequate response for, you know, for this uh, crime. We won't get into the Ryanair hijacking. That was uh, such a strange episode, but um, people can read about it online if they haven't already. I know you're very tired. You've had a two-week trip all over the United States, flew overnight out to California. So we'll let you go after one more question uh, with thanks for you joining us here. Um, there was perhaps an opportunity in the 90s for the West to reach out and to become more involved and to help with democratization and civil society. Perhaps that was a lost opportunity. Thinking back to that lost opportunity, what should we as individuals, as companies here in the U.S., uh, as citizens, what can we do to help and to help this opportunity not to be lost? As for businesses, uh, businesses should stop collaborating with the regime. Uh, on the other hand, businesses have to may think about future Belarus after new elections, how they uh, can help to restore our economy, about uh, in, in investments, uh, about uh, you know about experts on expert level. People can think about uh, helping us in new reforms in Belarus. Uh, as for usual people, just talk about us. Talk about us with your neighbors in your universities, on your works. Uh, and uh, just using this moment, I want to ask everyone who is uh, looking at us, uh, sacrifice with 10 minutes of your life and write a letter to political prisoner. It's very easy to do at the moment. It's not, you don't even have to buy envelope. It's, it can be done in uh, online you can't even imagine how it is important to, for those who are behind the bus understand that we are not abandoned, that they have uh, support of other countries. When they get letter, especially abroad, it's such a significant sign for them. It makes them their day. And just, you know, I, I don't know what's your auditory, how many people are listening to us. Thousands of people. Yeah. Just imagine thousands of letters for our prisoners. Mm -hmm. You can't even imagine how it is important. And when you ask your colleagues, your uh, mates to do the same. So, and regime also sees this support to, to prisoners. And they understand that people will continue to talk about us. People will not forget about the situation in Belarus. But this is uh, upon everyone in the world to keep attention uh, you know, to, to, to our problem. And, uh, you know, the world will not forget about us. We will be on the agenda and, uh, you know, everybody will, will continue to assist, to help as much as he or she can. So thank you in, in advance. Thank you. And our thanks to Svetlana Sikhanovskaya and warm wishes for your safety and hopes for democratization in Belarus. Thank you for taking the principled stand you're taking. 
We also thank our audience here in San Francisco and online. I'm Gloria Duffy. Now this meeting of the Commonwealth Club is adjourned. Thank you. You've been listening to the Commonwealth Club of California. Hear thousands of our podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Stitcher. If you like what you've heard, please consider supporting our work and help us bring 500 programs a year to listeners like you. Go to commonwealthclub.org donate. Think your way around the world with our travel programs to exciting domestic and international destinations. And when you're in the Bay Area, please join us live at our events. Thank you for listening and for your support. Thank you.